Welcome to Car Wash, the podcast, your source for real stories and real business insights from the experts, both in and out of the car wash industry. So put it in neutral, feed off the brakes, and take your hands off the steering wheel, because here we go. Here is your guide on this journey, David Begin of Begin Insights. Hi, this is David Begin, and thanks and welcome to this episode of Car Wash the Podcast. We've got a couple special guests. This will be a fun episode. We've got Dave Edwards, who's a good friend of mine, who's involved in the Car Wash Association of Pennsylvania. He's been a board member there for a while. He's also owner and operator of two self-serving in-bay automatics in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thanks, Dave, for joining us. I appreciate it. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, Dave and I have been on the New Investor Seminar Board for at least two or three times, I think, you know, the ICA shows. So got to spend some time there. We've got a special guest, a meteorologist from Northeast Pennsylvania, Stefano DiPietro. Is that correct? That's correct. Stefano, Stefano, either one is good by me. Stefano. Okay. I'll try to do better with that. Thank you so much for joining us. He's a meteorologist for a couple of television stations in Northeast Pennsylvania. And it'll be interesting discussion about the car wash forecast that he does. So let's just talk about weather because I think car wash people and weather guys are a lot alike. I think all of us in the car wash business are part-time hobbyists as far as weather watching, and we just love weather. So uh, how long have you been doing it? How did you get into it? Kind of give a little bit about, about your background. Yeah, so I've been doing weather for five years now, and it's been here in you know northeastern central Pennsylvania. I actually got involved in it way back when I was in middle school. My mom was actually in a Category 5 hurricane in Mexico. It was Hurricane Wilma, 2004, 2005, somewhere in there. And she was trapped there for 14 days and we had very little contact with her. She eventually got back to the United States safe, but that was sort of my drive to get into weather was just kind of seeing that moment happen and watching the storm, you know, day by day. Oh my goodness. That's, that's an interesting way to kind of get, get into the weather business. She's fine now. She brags about it all the time. Anytime there's a thunderstorm that comes through, she goes, not a category five hurricane, so we're okay. That's great. That's great. So did you go to school for weather? Yeah. So I, I went to Penn State. Uh, I was a four-year bachelor degree program in meteorology and atmospheric sciences, which is the best route to go. Years ago, you could get a communications degree and then learn the meteorology on the side. But now a lot of television stations prefer that you have the actual degree now in meteorology. Okay. There's a lot more science. in. I mean, there's a lot of science involved the science of it has gotten a little bit more complex and your background helps you understand that and communicate it to your audience, I would assume. Yes. The science has definitely gotten a lot more complex and I take a lot of classes. I take everything from physics to chemistry. I took four semesters of calculus and it all comes together for all the meteorology classes that you take from how a cloud is formed to how a beam of light comes through the atmosphere and how it gets affected depending upon what the weather is. That's fascinating. Yeah. In the car wash business, we watch weather all the time. And so we enjoy weather. I'm kind of a weather geek myself. I've really enjoyed weather. And I'll tell you a little story. When I, when I was in college, I found this television station called the Weather Channel back in 1983, I think. And it was like, oh my gosh, there's like weather for 24 hours a day. This is going to be so <laughs> awesome. And I would find myself watching radar and there, there'd be some of these cable companies that would have a radar system as a channel that you can watch all the time. And I thought that was the most fascinating thing in the world. 
mean, I look at radar almost 24 hours a day, just kind of sitting around by myself. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Well, that's good that you do that too. So that's, that's fantastic. So how is forecasting? I know forecasting has gotten so much better over time, but I remember like the best forecasters could do might've been three days, you know, being able to accurately forecast for three days and it went to five days. Where are we at now with accurate forecasting? So we're still probably five to seven days is about, you know, once you get above seven days, then you start to get a little bit more uncertainty in the forecast. There's a lot more that can change. So most places try to stick to seven days. You'll find a few places that go out to 10 days. But usually once you get past around seven, there's a lot that can change too quickly. But the technology over the years, I mean, has really helped. Our weather modeling has gotten a lot better gotten a lot sharper. Our radar images have gotten better. It's a lot easier for us to see what's going on inside of thunderstorms, where to find the heaviest snow during snowstorms. So the technology changing over the last couple of years has definitely helped, but we still need that human factor because computers aren't always perfect. And we do find some discrepancies in them in their forecasting. Okay. Are you getting weather forecasts from the National Weather Service or do you have a private service that does forecasting and and then you kind of create your own forecast for Northeast Pennsylvania? So we're actually doing all the forecasting ourselves. So we have access to all the weather models from the ones that are here in the United States to ones that are in Europe. And we actually sit down and get in a, you know, an hour early from when our shows start and we actually sit down and do the forecast. So everything that we're actually showing is what we actual forecast is. It's not actually coming from anywhere else. Okay, okay. Dave? Given that, you know, I'm a viewer of yours and here in the Northeast, you know, you and your news station broadcast over to 13 counties here in NEPA, uh, Northeast PA, and maybe reaching there to a couple of Southern Catskills of the New York, plus your social media. So your terrain of coverage area is approximately 12,000 square miles, and uh, you're communicating to more than 1.5 million in this populace. You know, you spoke to the fact that, that you're doing a lot of studies, you're looking at that, but even as I watch your forecast, and you know, today as we're recording, it's cloudy in Wayne County, but you go south of 84 and it can be clear. What challenges, what goes into that broad scheme of covering 100 miles east to west and 100 miles north to south in being able to pinpoint the hot spots, or as it may be said that way, or what's going to get hit in an afternoon shower like we get up here in this region? What's involved? So there's a lot that goes on, you know, being in you know northeastern central Pennsylvania and, you know, even once you start to get into New York and even parts of New Jersey, Elevation is always a huge thing. I mean, we have massive changes in elevation around here. We're not talking, you know, like out west in the Rockies, but around here, you know, especially with snowstorms in the valleys, you can get next to nothing and you can just get straight rain. But you go up into the Poconos, which is the mountains and the higher elevations, and all of a sudden you've got six, seven, eight inches of snow on the ground, and it's a matter of a couple of miles. And as far as temperature is concerned, you actually tend to get the higher elevations that warm up first, but then they stop warming up probably halfway through the day because of their elevation. But you get the lower elevations in the valleys and you just sort of learn what's called microclimate. So you just learn your area just by forecasting it and keeping notes of how certain situations tend to react to certain elevations and certain locations. So it just takes some time to sit down and actually look at what's happening. And in the event that we do get a forecast wrong, 
we actually go back and we try to piece together, okay, here's what happened, here's why it happened, and we keep that in mind if there's a similar situation down the road. Well, I think it's good planning, and we'll we'll talk about some of that as people plan their days out, you know, whether it's the interest of an outdoor activity such as car washing, gardening, golfing, running, walking the dog. But you guys have really done it. I've seen a lot of different market forecasts. I have to say that, you know, you guys there and your whole meteorology team, Josh and, and the whole cast there, have really narrowed it down because the last thing someone wants to do is go out and wash their car and drive four miles up the road and get rained on. <laughs> so Yeah, that's know. the last thing anybody, and usually it's me that that happens. To. <laughs> of course it is. Of course it is. But even if you're planning, you know, once you pull the tools out, you know, you run down to the hardware store, the garden center and grab, you know, a handful of plants, you know, by the time you get home, it's buckets and you got to wait till tomorrow to put the shovel in the ground. But I do have to commend you guys there at the station in being able to manage and negotiate really where and what it's going to hit in such a vast coverage area. Thank you very much. It certainly is a a challenge every now and then, you know, we get these massive snowstorms that come through and they can be pretty difficult to forecast, but we all know that afterwards everybody's trying to go get their car wash and those lines are just as long as can possibly be. And, you know, sometimes I wish I could just say, you know what, don't go to the car wash today because I got to go there. Yeah, yeah, there you well, go. <laughs> we we do appreciate, you know, and I think David's going to touch into it on on how you and I kind of worked this together, but I think what David and I found very fascinating is you've been very discretionary with it in the sense that you'll put up your graphic, but on days that it's not so good, you're going to speak about another act or activity that someone can indulge in. And that's very beneficial to our industry in the sense that we've seen some forecasters, meteorologists, you know, they'll put up the graphic every day and say, yep, don't get the car wash today. You know what? Just don't mention it. And you've been very discretionary in how you present any outdoor activity that your viewing audience can indulge in on a good day, which is helpful to, I think, many different facets of businesses and activities that rely on the weather, such as the car wash industry. Yeah. And that's one of the big things that we all try to do here is just, you know, like you said, try to be discretionary with these things and, you know, not be doom and gloom. So I'm not going to tell somebody, Hey, here's your forecast to go to the park. You can't do that today because it's going to rain. That just brings somebody up and then puts them back down. But you know, when the weather's nice, I'll say, go to the park, you know, you can go fishing, you can go golfing, go get the car wash today if you have time. But I know how it affects businesses. I've seen it affect businesses all around the area. I don't want to put any ill will on some of those businesses by saying, you know, don't go there today or don't do this. I try to be very open minded with all this stuff, knowing that, you know, what I say can really affect how things work, you know, and how people's jobs work. Yeah, that's tremendous. It's very encouraging because, you know, and, and this will lead into one of David's questions about how we kind of worked out the semantics of you're mentioning the word car wash, but it's not a commercial endorsement of any one business or any any particular facility. But I also find it, whether it's on your segment or Sammy's segment or even some of the other meteorologists in the region, you guys go as far as to, to say, hey, it's a good day for a dog walk, but let's give you the asphalt heat, which is really cool. You guys are really out there thinking of the safety of many of these lifestyle activities and how 
they either may affect us or how they may affect our pets. And it's just what I've seen of meteorologists over some of the changes of the past few years is that you guys have really gotten involved in speaking to getting outdoors, to enjoying outside, but also demonstrating like a good public safety announcement without making it a public safety announcement, which is great. And one of the big things with, you know, with that pavement temperature is, uh, no, I, I have a golden retriever and she loves to go outside. She loves to, I can't get her inside no matter how hot it is. And, and I just kind of remember, you know, one day just kind of seeing her out there, she wouldn't step on the pavement. And I thought to myself, you know, it's gotta be, and I put my hand on there and, you know, you touch it with your hand and you can just feel it. And we've all walked on the pavement in our bare feet when it's, you know, 90 degrees, 95 degrees, and you can barely do it. So, people tend to work on a schedule. So people tend to walk their dog at, let's say somebody goes on break at three o'clock for work and they're working, you know, maybe a secondary, a second shift, or they're trying to walk their dog before work. If you're going to do that in the middle of the day, you got to know a lot about that. If you're going to walk your dog in the street, you can't really keep them on there for too long. But if you can tell them, you know, walk in the grassy areas, that's fine. Multifaceted, what you're involved in, you're just not predicting weather, which is great. Yeah, so why don't we go ahead and get into the car wash forecast? What prompted you to start a car wash forecast? So actually, my brother-in-law and I were, are always big. You know, when we meet up on the weekends together and we're doing stuff with family, him and I always wanted to go get the cars washed. That was kind of our thing. It was a, kind of a somewhat a way to escape the family for a little bit. But it was also to, you know, just get the cars clean and make sure we do the outsides and the insides. And he always would ask me, what's the forecast? Is it worth getting the car washed today? Is it, do we even go because it's going to rain the next couple of days? And sometimes the answer to that is yes. I mean, you look at your car and in the spring and it's got pollen all over it. So that's kind of what inspired me to it was just my family always asking if we can get the car washed today. Is it a smart idea to go do it? And can we do it outside if we want to? Okay. Tell us about how you do it. How often do you do it? How does it get executed? So what we do is when we go through our forecasts, we do the seven days, but then we also look at an hour by hour forecast. And we write that out on a sheet of paper that's just sitting in the weather center with us. And we can look down and see, you know, how every hour of the day is going to, to plan out. And then we usually pick three general times for it. So we pick eight o'clock in the morning, you know, before some people get ready to head into work, if they're on their way there, if they want to drive by the car wash, they can. We pick noon when people go on their lunch break, and then we pick around five o'clock when most people are getting ready to come home. So we try to tailor it to times that we know people actually have time to do this. We don't try to put it smack dab in the middle of the afternoon when people are in the middle of their workday, too late in the morning when people are trying to get their kids to school or go to work. So we try to tailor it to times that we know people can get it done. And then usually on the weekend, that just carries over. We can add hours and subtract hours if we need to, but we just have that hour-by-hour hour forecast that sort of tries to relate to everybody's general everyday schedule. Okay. And then you do, like we talked about, the dog walking forecast. What other types of specific activity forecast do you do? So we do have things like the golf forecast. We have, a, in the winter, we have a ski forecast. We have something called an eat outside index which we haven't been using all that much recently because it's just been so hot and, you know, showers and thunderstorms that pop up. But what we do there is we rate the day on a scale of one to 10. I don't think I've ever given a day complete zero, but 
a scale of one to 10 on, you know, how nice is it for you to eat outside? 10 being the best day, you'll have no problems to one being probably not the best idea to do it. And normally, like we were saying earlier, we don't usually go down below five just because it's kind of shattering people's dreams. If you have a barbecue planned and you see me put the eat outside index at a two and say, oh, you know, don't even try it today. That's, that's discouraging. But if I can say, you know, today's a solid seven to eight, you know, there's a pop-up shower you'll have to watch out for. The wind might blow the napkins around, but it's still a good day overall to get outside. Okay, good, good. Have you got a lot of responses on these particular type of forecasts? Do your, does your audience communicate with you and what they like, what they don't like? Yeah, well, they really do. So the dog walking forecast has been a big one. We recently got asked to do more of a running forecast. That's generally for the morning and closer to the weekend so people can know what the best time for them to run is. We've gotten into doing a pool forecast, but we're a little bit, we realize that not everybody has a pool. So we work on other stuff too. If we mention the pool forecast, we say, you know, even if you're just going to the park with the kids, we have a lawn mowing forecast and we get a lot of good feedback on most of this. Good, yeah. And they're fun because you got to, you're taking weather and kind of relating it to what people do every day from an activity standpoint. And that's the fun thing because nobody wants to just, you know, listen, as much fun as I love hearing myself talk, (laughs) (laughs) nobody wants to hear me just sit up there, give the forecast and then just leave. People want it to be relatable. People want it to say like, okay, you know, I usually mow my lawn on Tuesdays and he's doing the lawnmower forecast. So that's great. And we try to keep it as relatable to, you know, everyday life as possible. So we're not just standing in front of a green screen and just throwing a bunch of jargon at you and just leaving. Yeah. So you, you take in different considerations for different forecasts, right? So if it's a dog walking forecast, you're taking in consideration two or three, you know, metrics, maybe car washing forecast might be different. Is that true? That's true. Because when we're, you know, talking about the dog walking forecast, you know, we mentioned earlier the pavement temperature, which is always, you know, a really big thing when you're doing that. So we'll take that into account. We'll take the humidity into account when we're doing the dog walking forecast. We'll also take that in account for the car wash forecast, because we always say, you know, if you're taking your car to the car wash and you're staying in the car, that's fine. But if you're going to go wash the car in the driveway, you probably want to do it earlier rather than later because the sun's going to be beating down on the car and on you and it's hot and it's humid. So if you're doing it by hand, probably best to do it early in the morning. Okay, good, good. You know, I I got a cyclist forecast that I've got on one of my apps and and it has you choose things like what's your wind speed, what's your most favorable wind speed for cycling, what's an acceptable wind speed, if it's daylight or nighttime and what's the temperature you want. So I can actually kind of customize a cycling forecast for myself here in Colorado. That's amazing to do. And we always try to tell people, you know, if you're going to be exercising during the day, you have to factor in well, it's the dew point, but a lot of people just call it the humidity because we have to explain to people that, you know, it feels so much warmer because our bodies, when there's so much moisture in the atmosphere, the way that our bodies cool themselves down is by evaporating sweat. When there's already too much moisture in the atmosphere, that process is actually slowed down. So rather than our body sweating, evaporating it and cooling us down, it just sits there. And that's what actually makes it feel hotter. So that's what the heat index number is. Yeah, no, that's a good point. That's a great point. We don't have as much humidity on the front range here in Colorado that you folks have to contend with. So we got a good amount of it, especially this week. So Dave, did you reach out to 
Stefano and ask him about how did your relationship develop? Well, David, you know me, I'm a nudge by nature. <laughs> so him, along with some of his colleagues, this started a couple of years ago with one of Stefano's former colleagues, Kevin Dirk, on Saturday mornings. He's a pretty spirited weekend forecaster. I think you'd agree. Yes. Uh, and so each one of these meteorologists, you know, have their company Facebook social media site. And so I just tag them once in a while. Hey, you know, why don't you throw out there? It's a good day for a car wash. And so I'd email Stefano. I'd email one of his partners there, uh, Josh. And just recently in the last, you know, as Stefano uh, and even a couple other stations were getting some notes from me, as Stefano shared, you know, he and his brother were kicking around, what can we do in the media front? I think it was kind of a perfect storm, pardon the pun, that came together with ideas and I just kept nudging them up here. And what came about through it, and it was just some miscellaneous emails, is if Stefano or Josh or, you know, any other meteorologist, they'd have to go back to their news director. And they'd always come back to me and say, well, it can't be commercialized. And I'd say, I'm not trying to endorse any of my car wash facilities or one particular location. And we kind of all came together, and especially right here in the midst of this corona pandemic and things, is it seemed like we could encourage people to get outdoors and do something. And you may concur or not concur with me on that, but I think there was also a lot to do behind the scenes with news directors. And I took the approach of and I usually share with these guys, listen, we have a number of operators in the area. You know, I'm a member of the Car Wash Association of Pennsylvania. Your mention is strictly non-commercialized. You're not endorsing that. You're endorsing an activity. And I think as they finally made it through a dozen emails or messaging on social media, it kind of stuck. What's your aspect on it, Stefano? That sounds exactly right. You know, there's always, you know, with the higher ups, uh, commercialization and things like that. But I think, you know, once we worded it into it's an everyday activity for people to do, there's a lot of people that love to take care of their cars and we're just presenting it as the forecast. You know, we're not presenting it as a, you know, to a specific car wash here and there. We're helping the entire car wash community as a whole with this. You know, everybody has their individual car wash that might be right down the street that they go to every now and then. So I think just kind of pitching it as we're helping out the community as a whole rather than just singling out individual places, I think that's kind of what tipped the scale. Yeah, because when you send out a field reporter and they're doing a segment or a bit, however you call them, maybe on a particular restaurant that's reopening, you know, we'll, in our market, it's Cooper's and everyone that's listening to this will recognize Cooper's based on the office, which is based out of Seattle. Yeah. So yes, you're trying to report a story, but here you have the backdrop of a brand name, <laughs> you know, and it's not that you're trying to commercially endorse them. You're just advising of a landmark, particularly in the, in the Northeast here, that Cooper's is back on their feet. It did seem like a weave. And, you know, for our listening audiences and for myself as a board member of the Car Wash Association of Pennsylvania, this has kind of been a pet project of mine 
for the last couple of years, and as it's built and, and got to somewhat of this crescendo with the amount of forecast time that you're providing us and others, is oftentimes members within any association will say, well, what are my dues getting me? Or what's the benefits of membership? And here is a prime example, and as humbly as I can say it is, as a board member, I've taken it upon myself to work with all of you guys and come up with the discretionary ways that you can deliver it, which is a benefit for the members and the operators in the car wash industry. And that's really what it's been about for me. You know, I happen to be an operator. I benefit from it. But this is not about me. This is about the community of car wash operators. And especially now, you guys are doing a number of things that support and encourage the use of small business, whether you're speaking to the actual brand or destination. I think there is, in the world that we're living in currently, a lot of good encouragement that comes out of not only the meteorology department, but all of your newscasters and anchors, you know, to remember us small business guys and gals. Yeah, it makes a huge difference. And we're happy to help the community. You know, we're part of this community. So what we say we know affects everything and subsequently could affect our lives as well. So we try to help the community as much as we can and, and make sure that everybody and everything's still going around. Hey, we're going to go ahead and continue this particular podcast on the next installment of Car Wash the Podcast. So make sure you tune in next week and you can hear the rest of our discussion with Dave and Stefano on all things weather and weather forecasting. But I want to say thank you for listening to this episode of Car Wash the Podcast. Tell your friends about this episode. It's a great resource for anybody in the car wash industry and we appreciate you listening. So for David Begin, thank you for listening and we'll catch you next time on Car Wash the Podcast. Car Wash the Podcast is your source for real stories and real business insights from the experts, both in and out of the car wash industry. Our show helps investors, owners, operators, and managers think about ways to enhance their business. Our podcast is a free, on-demand audio program that provides information on the latest trends impacting the industry, tips from successful industry leaders, and inspiration for our listeners.